You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. I want to welcome you to our Good Friday service. Uh, And a special welcome to our friends from Lake Country Church who are joining us today. Sometimes uh, it's really difficult to face the reality of what happened on that Friday so many years ago. The suffering and the sorrow that Jesus experienced. The pain that he endured. Yet the Bible tells us that Jesus willingly walked this path. Suffering, sorrow, pain, death. Why would Jesus walk such a path? Well, because he knew what needed to be done in order to set us free from all that we are held captive by. This morning, we sit under the painful, powerful truth found in Mark chapter 10, a single verse, verse 45 where Mark tells us that Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does it mean to say that Jesus gave his life as a ransom? What does it tell us about the path of pain and sorrow that he walked? Well, the word ransom had a specific meaning when Mark used it all those years ago to describe what Jesus did on that first Good Friday. The word is lutron in the original Greek language, and it was used to refer to the price that could be paid to release a prisoner of war or a slave from their captivity. The prisoner or the servant would remain in captivity until someone came along and paid the lutron price, the ransom price. Ransom quite literally means release from captivity by payment of a price. The very thing standing between a person's bondage and their freedom was the lutron, the ransom. And it was something the captive had no means to pay by themselves. They were helpless. And so for a first century person to hear that Jesus had paid the Lutron, this is how they would have heard it. The king has come to release you from captivity, and he will pay the price himself. He will pay it with his life. Now, two questions arise at this point. First, what are we held captive by? And second, How is the ransom actually paid? So first, what what are we held captive by in our life? What do we need freedom from? A number of years ago, a young adult that I was pastoring, uh, she, she came to me because she was really struggling with some things in her life. And particularly, there were a number of things that happened between her and her father. And she said to me, Keith, I am so angry because of the things he has done to me. And I know that I need to forgive him, but I can't. And this anger is stopping me from moving forward in my life. 
She was really stuck. My friend was talking about our human captivity. She was talking about being a prisoner in need of release. She found herself chained to a relational brokenness, and it was debilitating in her life, not simply in her relationship with her father, but in her way of being, in her happiness, in the way she related to other people. And I wonder if you have ever felt this kind of captivity yourself, been wrapped up in anger or resentment or or unforgiveness toward another person. Or maybe the captivity that you face looks a little bit different for you. You feel chained to the broken patterns that you have been living in, sinful habits that you've turned to in life to cope to cope with pain, to cope with uh, how your life has turned out. Or maybe captivity is different. You feel captive to fear and anxiety, an uncertainty about a future that you cannot control. Or maybe it's discouragement. Maybe you feel a sense of hopelessness. When you look at your life and your family, You feel powerless to restore the broken pieces you see there. Or maybe you're held captive by the thought that you're never good enough. That's the nature of our human captivity. The truth of the matter is we are held captive by many things that we are powerless to free ourselves from. We are. And the Bible helps us understand what is exactly, the the, the exact things that we are held captive by, where they come from, their root, their source, and also how Jesus frees us from them. What are we held captive by? First, we are captive to sin. In John's Gospel, Jesus describes it saying that we we are slaves to sin. It's how he describes it. It's the idea that left to ourselves, we are chained to something destructive. I mean, here's the thing. We all have an understanding of the right thing to do, but knowing it and doing it are two different things. It's as though we live in in this repeatable cycle of choosing thoughts, actions, and words that are out of sync with God's goodness. We reject his leadership. We know what's right. But from time to time, we fail to do it. Or we do the opposite. And as slaves to our own sin, we live in guilt. We're guilty. But it's not just that our own sin is the thing that we are captive to. Sometimes we are captive to the sins that other people have committed against us. Harmful words spoken that have cut to the heart. An unloving or absent parent. Some of you know that story too well. An abuse, a betrayal. These are some of the most destructive forces that a person can experience in life. And we are oftentimes held captive by these past experiences. And it affects the kind of life that we enjoy. It affects how we relate to other people. These things 
They affect everything. And so as slaves to other people's sin, we live in brokenness. As slaves to our own sin, we live in guilt. As slaves to other people's sin, we live in brokenness. We're captives. That's the first thing. We are slaves, captives to sin. Second, we're captives to unseen spiritual forces. Ephesians 6, 12 says it all. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We don't often talk about this in our (laughs) post-Enlightenment Western world, but make no mistake about it. There is an evil one who seeks to destroy all that is good and holy in God's world. There is such a thing as evil with a capital E, a personality that that loves to hold people in the clutches of darkness. And as captives to the unseen spiritual forces, from time to time, we live under oppressive bondage. Sometimes we don't even know it. We are captives to sin. We are captives to unseen spiritual forces. And third, we are captives to death itself. The finality of death, I might say. The eternal separation from life. All sin and every force of evil leads to death. God is the author of life. So all that stands in opposition to Him results in Well, what we might expect, death. When we reject God's leadership, when we remain in our sin, we are destined to death because there is no life apart from the one who gives it. And so as slaves to death, we live in fear. As slaves to our own sin, we live in guilt. As slaves to other people's sin, we live in brokenness. As slaves to unseen spiritual forces, we live in oppressive bondage, and as slaves to death, we live in fear. That's what we're held captive by. Oh, but fellow captives, here is the good news of Good Friday. Heaven's King has come to set the captives free. Jesus has come to break the chains that hold his whole world in darkness. And we ask the question, how? How does Jesus set us free? How does he break the chains of sin and evil and death itself? He pays the ransom price. In Mark 10, 45, it says, The Son of Man gave His life as a ransom for many. The cost of your freedom is His life. The cost of my freedom is His life. A life for a life. But there is something else going on here. And we don't always see it in our English translation. Mark chapter 10, 45 says, The Son of Man gave His life as a ransom for many. The Greek word is anti, and it means in the place of or instead of. Jesus gave His life 
in place of many. Jesus gave his life instead of your own. It's the grace he offers to every person. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us. Jesus became the captive so we could be set free. He paid our debt with his life in order to break the chains of oppression. And sometimes we wonder, why did Jesus have to die at all? Have you ever wondered that? Why didn't God just snap his fingers and release us from our captivity? <laughs> I mean, he's God after all. Why did Jesus have to pay this price at all? Well, Jesus died on the cross to remedy the paradox that exists between a holy God and an unholy people. On the one hand, God's holiness demands that the penalty for sin be paid. God cannot let wrongdoing go unresolved. His righteousness compels him to set things right. His righteousness compels him that justice be served. But on the other hand, God's love compels him to forgive because he loves us. He made us to flourish and be whole. And herein lies the paradox. God cannot both punish sin and pardon the sinner at the same time. It's a paradox. But God's solution is to take the punishment for our sin upon himself and to pardon the sinner. Jesus had to die in our place on the cross because that was the only way things would be made right. The justice would be served for the guilty to be set free. The ransom was paid, and the chains of all our captors were broken because of Christ. I mean, it's a painful story, isn't it? <laughs> but in it, do you, do you see the love of God? <laughs> What a profound love. It's a love that, 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 that this world ha has never known before. When we look at the cross, at the path of suffering and pain that Jesus willingly walked, we are reminded that Good Friday is God's love song to the world. I mean, imagine that. The shape of the greatest love song ever written is the shape of a crucified God on the cross. Because he knew the price that needed to be paid for human flourishing to be restored, for your life to be restored. His suffering sings to us from the cross, and it says, you are my beloved, and I would stop at nothing to make you whole. Nothing. What a beautiful Savior we have. I recall a time when my daughter was about four years old, and we were at the park, and she had triumphantly climbed to the top of the play structure uh, at the park. And as she looked down upon her kingdom, she yelled out in the sweetest voice. I mean, my daughter's four-year-old voice was sweet. 
she sang out, I'm the king of the castle, and you're the dirty rascal. And so I called her down from her tower, and I invited her to sit in my lap, and I looked deep into her sweet eyes because I saw a teaching moment, and I said, Sophia, my dear, we don't say that <laughs> because there is only one king, and his name is Jesus. And he doesn't look down on the dirty rascals. He loves them. In fact, he became one. And he says, I will take my place on the cross for all the dirty rascals so that you no longer have to be dirty and you'll no longer be called rascal. She had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> None. My theological insights were wasted. <laughs> but what a king. What a king we have, unlike any other. And he sings his love song to us from the cross. Here's the good news of Good Friday. Through Christ's death on the cross, Jesus has paid your ransom. You've been set free free from the guilt of your own sin. Imagine that. Free from the effects of other people's sin on your own life. These things will not determine your future. Free from the evil one's grasp. He has no hold on you. And you are free from the finality of death. You have eternal life with God. You are free from it all because, because you belong to Christ. Today we get to choose to live in light of all that took place on that first Good Friday and the freedom we have that Jesus has ransomed us to. Everything that needs to be done to secure our freedom has been done because Christ has paid the ransom. And today Jesus is inviting us to exchange the things that hold us captive for the freedom that only he can give. He's inviting us to this great exchange of our captivity for our freedom. And now, when you came in, you, you would have received a, a, little, cross, a, a little piece of paper. Um, and if you didn't, that's okay. Maybe you have a little piece of paper in your pocket, or, or uh, there's, uh, there's probably some uh, uh, up in the corner or here. But I want to do something. Uh, and I'm going to invite the worship team forward. Thanks as I, I explain this. What I, what I want to do right now is for us to, we're going to take a moment here and the worship team's going to play a little music, but I want you to take this little piece of, uh, of paper and I'm going to invite you to, to write something down on it. And the question is, what do you need Jesus to release you from? What do you feel held captive by that, that you need the power of Jesus' love to bring freedom and healing in your life? Maybe it's something in your own life, a sin, or, or something that's been done against you that, that you feel bound to, or the evil one, or maybe a fear. What is it that you need Jesus to ransom you from today? And so we're going to take a minute, and we're going to reflect and write on this card. And then at, at the end of that time, I'm going to direct you 
uh, and we're going to do something a little different. In fact, the crowd is a, a little bigger than I was anticipating, so this might take a little longer than expected, but it's not going to take that long. I'm going to invite you to, to come and bring the things that you need to lay at the foot of the cross. And you're going to bring your card, and you're going to put it in the basket. And so I know if you're upstairs, you're going to need to come downstairs, and so we invite you to do that. And, and, and how I see this happening is we don't need to rush. Like, there might be a line. We don't need to rush into line, but I'm going to get you to come down these stairs, and then you can go back up these ones. But as we come and put the things that, that we need to bring to the foot of the cross, we're going to put our card in here, and then we're going to come through this front area, and you're going to receive the elements. I'm inviting you to the table of a great exchange where we remember Jesus' body which was broken or his body which was given for us and his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins to, to, to pay the price. And so we bring the things that hold us in bondage and we lay them at the foot of the cross and we receive Jesus' sacrifice. We trade our captivity for the freedom he's purchased for us. And as you receive the element, it'll be served to you. It's just one person is going to be serving it to you. Um, you can go ahead and take your seat, and you can receive the elements right then and there. There's a wafer and a, a piece or, and a bit of juice in there. Um, or you take some time to reflect, to pray, and receive the element when you're ready. And the worship team's going to play a song as we do that, and you're, you, can, you can sing along uh, or, or do what you want, but then we'll sing one final song together. So let me invite you to the table of a great exchange where Christ takes our captors, our sin, death, evil upon himself, and he pays the price for our freedom. Let's take a moment to reflect and to write the things we want to bring to Jesus this morning. Let's do that right now.